Hello and welcome into this week's edition of the Rookie Stripes Podcast here on Racing News Now. I'm Garth Allen. That is the one and only Mr. Tyler Guthrie. How's it going today, man? What's up, Garth? Just another weekend of racing. This time the first road course of the year at Circuit of the Americas. All three series put on a pretty good show. Although the Cup Series tried to destroy every car in the field. But nevertheless, good weekend of racing for the NASCAR. Yeah, surprisingly good race for Coda. Um, I think, honestly, the first good cup race at Coda was beginning to think Coda just didn't work for stock cars, but this actually was a pretty good race. Um, I think it might have had something to do with no stage break cautions. I think NASCAR may need to look into that for non-road courses going forward, but um, either way, uh, yeah, good race. I was really hoping it was going to come down to a fuel mileage race until... Phantom debris cautions reared their ugly head again, and uh, that's apparently a thing now that stage breaks are gone. Yay, NASCAR. No, I agree. I I thought that no stage breaks is a really good idea, and they kept in the stage points, which put in a little bit more strategy without the unnecessary yellow flag in the middle of the race, which I, I like that. I know in the Xfinity series, I talked about a little bit, some cars pitted, so that way they could get track position some cars stayed out so that way they could get the stage points I, I thought it was a really good idea i thought it worked out really well no i thought it was fantastic um it, it's a good mix of old nascar and new nascar you've still got your stages you still got your stage points you've still got the people that if they want the stage points they can stay out for that or if you don't necessarily feel like you need them you can pit earlier and have a little bit of strategy but there's no unnecessary caution to break the race up artificially when you can still have the strategy organically without the caution makes things more exciting. And until we had our phantom debris caution at the end, we were going to have a fuel mileage race. And I don't even know the last time we had a fuel mileage race because stage breaks have put the poo poo on that for a long time. I was so excited to have a fuel mileage race. And then it, didn't happen and then we had overtime after overtime after overtime after overtime it felt like we were at daytona how many overtimes do we have like four i don't know i can look it up but i don't know the exact number regardless i i felt like it got pretty embarrassing it's like you can't finish two more laps around the track without wrecking the crap out of everybody and i think having gunther steiner in the booth didn't really help because I think he like visibly was like, what the hell? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know it. I don't understand why the cup drivers can't just finish the last couple laps of a race ever. It's always right. a big deal. But no, I, I agree. I like not having stage breaks. Um, hopefully they can put that into the ovals at some point and then we can get green flag pit stops back because personally i quite enjoy having green flag pit cycle mhm same um yeah back to the point about gunther i i feel like it became very evident the longer we got in the race that gunther seemed to be getting much more bored with this race and he just was losing interest the longer it went into the race like it was cool having gunther in the booth in the beginning because it's it's gunther he's like the star of drive to survive at this point uh but as the race went on you could tell he either a didn't know what was going on or b just didn't care or maybe a combination of both and he became 
less and less important in the booth. And I thought it was funny how they had Chase on the broadcast and Chase wasn't even there. He was like Skyping in from Vail, Colorado, which why was he in Vail, Colorado? Is he just like taking a vacation right now while Probably he's trying injured? to break his other leg? I guess so. <laughs> he's going for the the full season out at this point, I guess. I don't know, but it it felt really weird. There were too many voices and it it really felt like the booth was Mike Joy, Kurt Busch and Clint Boyer. And then every once in a while, they would go, Gunther, what do you think? Chase, what do you think? And they were just kind of like guests on their own broadcast, essentially. It was really weird. Yeah, I I watched like, I didn't wasn't able to watch the race, but I watched like the 20-something minute highlight reel thing NASCAR puts out and mm-hmm. didn't hear Gunther once yeah. in the entire highlight reel. It's like, I understand he wasn't the play-by-play announcer for that, but still, like, you know... You can speak, dude. <laughs> right. Yeah, he didn't speak very much. And most of the time when he did, it was Kurt or Clint going, Gunther, what do you think about this? It, and the thing is, he I'll give him a little bit of slack there because I'm not sure he he may just not have been very comfortable in the booth because as far as I know, I don't know that he's ever done anything like that no. before. So... It may just be that he wasn't super comfortable in there and throwing him into a situation of a series that he doesn't follow or have any involvement in or probably not much knowledge of. There's not a lot to speak on in that case. So it was just a very weird decision by Fox to have him on there. Like, I like Gunther. I I feel like he's one of my favorite parts of Drive to Survive, but it felt like a very weird decision to have him on this broadcast. I feel like if you were going to pick a guy from F1 to be in a NASCAR broadcast booth, it would be not Gunther. I understand why they picked him, because of his relation with Haas, and Haas mm-hmm. has a NASCAR and an F1 team and all that. But at the same time, like he seems like a really awkward person anyway, and if you're just going to mm-hmm. have somebody talk about racing... Gunther would be like my last choice but yeah, yeah I don't know it, it was okay let's not do it again <laughs> yeah but I mean I, maybe he just got confused because the gap between first and second for most of the race was under a second and not <laughs> just barely under a minute I don't know yeah I and the thing is he might have been better if you'd stuck him like on an f1 broadcast something that he actually has knowledge of but I doubt he had much knowledge of NASCAR coming into this because that just seems like the F1 paddock as a whole. They don't really care about NASCAR, but I know there's some of them that do. But for the most part, I don't think many of them follow NASCAR at all or very much. So it wouldn't surprise me if he really didn't have hardly any knowledge of NASCAR. So you throw him in there with little to no knowledge. What's he going to contribute other than maybe asking some very casual questions here and there that's i mean there was one point um kurt asked him they had one of the they had a restart and everybody's going five six seven wide down into turn one as nascar does at coda um and kurt goes gunther what do you do in this situation like how do you feel going down into that corner like that and i'm sitting there like Gunther has never seen seven <laughs> wide into turn one at Coda in his life. What like, and, or any other track for that matter. Right. And the last time and, F one went seven wide, it was like Singapore a couple years yeah. ago in the rain. And they took out half the field. 
And Gunther didn't even say anything. Like Kurt asked him this question and Gunther doesn't say a word. And Kurt's <laughs> like, well, do you, do you hope and pray? And Gunther's just like, yeah, I yep. guess so. That's probably all you could do. <laughs> like Gunther has no idea. What are you doing? Well, when you have Chase Briscoe and Ross Chastain coming up the inside, yeah, hope and pray is about all you can do. I know NASCAR yep. showed like an overhead replay of that. And it was just, first of all, Ross Chastain didn't break early enough. And then, you know, Chase Briscoe breaked even later and just shoved Chastain into the field. And that's how Martin Truex Jr. got spun out. And it's just, mm -hmm. I don't, I understand like restart, you got to get all the positions you can, but maybe the, like the one flaw of Coda is that turn one is just this giant hairpin on the top of a hill. Maybe let's go to a road course that doesn't have that. I like Circuit Americas, but maybe let's pick a couple that don't have a hairpin turn as turn one. Like, I don't know, Road America, but whatever, you know. Here's an idea. What if they ran Coda backward? Now, I know everybody's probably getting the pitchforks out right now. Run a track backward. Why would we ever do that? That's blasphemy. You're not going to have the hairpin going down into turn one, so you're not really going to have that issue because turn mm -hmm. 20, 21, whatever that is, whatever the last corner is, Two, isn't a isn't a two right hand man. ninety degrees? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like yeah. that would be a much better way to start the lap, and then you end the lap with your hairpin and go downhill. Maybe That's it's great until you put about. it as a playoff race, and you got like one guy that needs to win the race and just pile drives first place to win. <laughs> Of course, I that's feel, just NASCAR at that point, you know. Right. I feel like it doesn't matter if that's Coda or where it is; it, it's going to happen regardless. I mean, look at look at Chastain's hail melon last year. Guys are going to find a way to do to do stupid like that. But at least that was smart, stupid. Well, yeah, <laughs> it was smart because he got in. It wasn't going to be smart if he just went into the wall and it slowed him down and he lost like five spots. That would have been hilarious, though. Can you imagine if he just, like, nose first into the wall and didn't go yep. anywhere? And we wouldn't have that car on display if that happened. <laughs> nope. He wouldn't take a piece of the wall home with him. Did you see that? Where they, they fixed yeah. the wall a couple weeks ago, and they let him keep a piece of it. Yeah, I'm like, okay, uh, yeah. I guess. <laughs> right? I, mean, I don't. That, I thought it was weird. Mm-hmm. I, I don't personally think that that was important enough to be like, let's save this wall kind of deal, but I don't know. that That's just me. I mean, there are people calling it one of the most important moments in NASCAR history, so. C compared to what? Compared to all of NASCAR history, apparently. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's the only time it's ever going to happen since they made a well, rule against it. Yeah, but in the grand scheme of NASCAR history, I would say that's not super important. I would say it would be more important if he had won the championship. If yeah. that's what if that's yeah. what got him into the championship four, and then he backed it up and won the championship, then it would be a much more important piece of history. Right, but then he just like laid a dud the next week so did he finish second maybe i don't know I think he did I, all i remember second. from that championship race is it was phoenix and we know how i feel about phoenix and then joey logano won so i just really didn't care mm -hmm. at all whatsoever yeah 
I, I think he and Logano were the only ones really in contention. Like usually it ends up the championship four are like the top four always in the race now that we've which got is a little four. bit suspicious right. in my opinion. But yeah. Yeah, well, um, a couple years ago, I think it was the year Chase Elliott won the championship. Like the top four were the championship four the whole race, and one of them had a bad pit stop. It restarted like twenty something, and then three laps later, they're in fourth again. What? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. NASCAR and their manufactured drama, and I'm not making a conspiracy theory here. I think Tyler might be, but I'm not. It is already conspiracy. I'm not making this up as a conspiracy theory. Easy for you to say. Hey, it's already been out there. I didn't even, I didn't even think about it until I read about it. But yeah, you know, Doc is over here, literally trying to disconnect the mic with his tail. <laughs> Get He's him, like, Doc. no more podcast for you, just Doc. Always Doc. <laughs> Doc oh, is the God. only thing you need in your life. Yeah, yeah. Or at least that's what he thinks. Wild race, though. I mean, I... it was a pretty good race, I thought, until like the last ten laps. Yeah, then it, uh, then it became NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a race, and then it was a NASCAR race. <laughs> yeah, like it felt like at one. I don't remember which NASCAR heat it was. I was it was either Heat Three or Heat Four. Um, I was playing, it was like a two-lap race. It was supposed to be like a two-lap race at Road America because Road America is so long, and I think I had it set on like <laughs> 7% or something. I see could, where this is going. <laughs> could not stop wrecking. I think... Overtime I, number 17. Oh No, it, it ended up being overtime number like 100. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it ended up over 200 laps before I finally finished that race. Oh, my God. And it was supposed to be a two-lap race. <laughs> Yeah, sounds like NASCAR. Yeah, I wish they'd put back like the limited number of overtimes or something. I don't know. I yeah, I think they need to do that for super speedways and road courses. One attempt, that's all you get. No, okay. So here's what you do for road courses. Um, you do a one lap finish, not a green yeah. white checkered, a green and white checkered one lap finish. If they pile them up into turn one. Whatever. A, they can yeah. get back to the line and slow down after that. The problem with road courses is, like, yellow flags take so long. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you're going around lap at, like, I don't know. It's over two minutes. I, I know that. But if you got a cleanup and they're not quite done when you reach the start-finish line. Well, it's then, almost two minutes at speed at Coda. Yeah, it's like... I think it's like a minute and a half. Three or four minutes, maybe, under yeah. caution. But it's like, it takes so long. And I remember they had a had a wreck at the beginning of the race. I forget if it was the cup race or one of the other two. But they had a wreck at the beginning of the race, and they didn't restart the race for like another 15 minutes or something. It was probably the Xfinity race. The Xfinity race had a lot of issues with very long cautions for no reason. Which is not a unique NASCAR problem. IndyCar needs to get a hold of that problem, too, because, I don't know, they had like the Indy 500 yellow flag for like half an hour one time. It was just miserable. Arca is notorious for that, dragging out cautions for many, many laps longer than they should be. But speaking of Arca, apparently there was an Arca race this weekend. Yeah, Tyler completely forgot there was an Arca race. But and if you also forgot there was an Arca race or you're not willing to spend one hundred and fifty nine bucks a year for flow racing to just watch Arca East and West. 
you honestly didn't miss all that much. I mean, there was William Sawalich led every lap, which I wasn't surprised by. It's the freaking JGR 18 car in ARCA. In the East Series, there is just no car that compares to it. It really doesn't matter. You could put me or Tyler in that car, and we would probably lead every lap and win the race. That's how much better that 18 car is than everyone else in the East Series. And they're pretty far ahead of everybody else in main ARCA, too. They just don't win everything because everybody's a little closer. But East Series, it's not even close. So I, I was, though impressed by jake finch and luke finhouse who both were super fast in that race and luke finhouse actually almost tracked down william swalich at the end of the race made it and almost made it a decent race at the finish but kind of stalled out about i think it was like a half second back and never really could get any closer than that so you know dirty air gotta love that um but and which is amazing that that's even a thing on short tracks, but Arca yeah, has somehow right. managed to do that. Um, but if you take William Sawalich out of the race, it wasn't a terrible race, even though there was only 13 cars in the race, which is about what we've come to expect from East races anymore. I'm just amazed Ouch. that the East series even still exists at this point. I don't know why Arca still seems to have it on life support at this point. I've had that rant before and have gotten a lot of backlash for that. Um, but, you know, it. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of backlash for a lot of things ARCA-related that I've said. Uh, but the thing about you it is... You just hate ARCA, don't you? Oh, I just hate it so <laughs> much. Why, why would I even ever co cover ARCA? Because I, I don't think it's the perfect series that it is. You hate it so much that we're one of the few people that cover it <laughs> right and that's that's what i don't understand that's what i think a lot of a lot of folks that that get on me about things like that don't understand is like i could just not cover arca if i didn't like it like right. i don't have anybody to answer to with rnn if i didn't like if i didn't love arca i just wouldn't cover it but i choose to cover arca because i really do love the series and i I'm not going to sugarcoat over problems that it has because I want it to be the best that it can be. And the, the thing about it is when you've got Charlie crawl, who does the PR for Arca and the play-by-play -play for these East and West races on flow racing, who is the self-proclaimed Arca propaganda minister <laughs> and literally will never say a bad thing about Arca. I, I, I challenge you to go back through every Charlie crawl interview I've ever done on RNN and find one thing he said negative about arca which that's not a bash on charlie he's the pr guy he's supposed to be he's supposed that's to talk job. it up and act yeah exactly um i don't fault him for that but there was one point i think it was right after the race finished on saturday night where i guess they'd forgotten to mute his mic and i think he must be talking to his producer or somebody and he goes i've been watching for sweet moves and i have not seen literally one sweet move all night talking about the Reese's sweet move of the race vote that was supposed to be the next morning. So when even Charlie is sitting here going, I didn't see any good moments in this race at all. That's a problem. <laughs> and I get it. And I've said this in the past, they can't all be bangers that every race can't be a good race because 
if every race is a good race, that just raises the level of what a good race is until it's unattainable. You get boring with all you get bored with all the good races because God, I wish NASCAR would take that. I know, right? Into consideration. Right. But at the same time, that's almost every East race at this point, because when you've got the JGR 18 car in there, they're going to pretty much dominate everything. And that's a lot of the main ARCA races at this point, too. ARCA really needs to find a way to get more parity in that series. And I don't know if that's maybe a cost cap to maybe slow down the 18 car. Just throwing some ideas out here, seeing what sticks. I'm probably going to get shot down on that. I'm probably going to get some hate for that. But that may not be the worst idea is to implement a cost cap because that's one of the biggest problems with ARCA right now in in getting car counts is they've tried to do all these cost-saving measures, but at the same time, it's still very expensive to be in ARCA. So that might be the solution is to implement a cost cap JGR probably wouldn't like it because they couldn't spend four times what everybody else does on that car in that case. But that would, I would hope, level the playing field and make things a little more exciting. In reality, would that happen? I don't know, but I think it's worth a shot. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but yeah, I don't don't really know how to make Arkham more competitive, but, you know, it's got to be better than that. I think you don't really need more than 13 cars for races like that. Maybe 20. You're not going to roll up with 40 cars at a track like that, but you know, still, I I don't even care if like the leader runs away with the race, as long as second and third is competitive to watch, mm -hmm. you know, which, and the thing was second and third was fairly competitive. Most of the race, Luke Finhouse and Jake Finch actually had a pretty good battle for second and third. Now, in the grand scheme of things, second and third doesn't mean a lot at the end of the day when William Swalich is not even close to them, but it wasn't a terrible race for second. Um, that was probably about the only decent battle in the entire field all night. Cause I think we ended up with like four cars on the lead lap. Um, ouch. Yeah. Sean Hingarani, I think was the only other car on the lead lap. LeVar Scott was a lap down, Tyler Reif was a lap down, and everybody else was just like the the non-competitive cars that were many, many, many laps down. Um, yeah, there was only like six up-to-speed cars in this race out of the 13, which I guess is half the field, but when the field is 13, <laughs> I don't know that that's necessarily a good number to have still. No, probably not, but I don't know. When's the next uh, big Arca race? The next main ARCA race is going to be Talladega, which is on April 22nd. So we've still got just under a month for that. Although the West Series has race number one, this or race number two, technically, their first standalone race. But since the Phoenix race was a combo race, it's technically race number two. They'll be at Irwindale this weekend on Saturday night for the West Coast Stock Car Motorsports Hall of Fame 150. That is way too many words. That is too much of a mouthful. Um, I'm surprised I got it out without stumbling through it. But um, it is Irwindale and should be a pretty good race. Irwindale actually usually puts on a pretty good race. But that still sounds better than Where's the Beef 300 or whatever we had a couple no, weeks ago. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Oh, that's right. Beef, it's what's for dinner. <laughs> it's just that's that's my favorite. And you have to promote thing. that. And then you, I don't know. That just sounds awkward to say. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Makes me feel weird. 
I think that's the point. Or it probably isn't, but it's probably not because I don't think that a, it, it, like a promoter would be like, "Here, let's just make everybody feel weird when we think about this race." But I mean, it probably makes you feel more. You probably didn't feel as weird with it until I started doing it as beef. It's what's for dinner. No, I I read it in that voice the first time. Oh, I read okay, it. <laughs> it was, I Fair still enough. thought it was weird. <laughs> Uh, didn't you used to have Sam Elliott do those commercials? I don't, I don't know. That's what. That's where I get the the beef. It's what's for dinner because he's got that like real low octave voice. I love Sam Elliott, by the way, one of my favorite actors ever. Um, what is it we got coming up? We got like the eight one one call before you dig two fifty or some yeah, crap. I don't. There's some weird sponsors these days, which. I mean, hey, Same sponsorship they, if, is good sponsorship. However, exactly. But, yeah, I mean, at least I make it make sense. <laughs> right. If they want to be involved in NASCAR, I'm not I, I don't have any problem with that. But it's definitely 811 call before you dig is not the same as tide. Yeah, right. <laughs> like the Pennzoil 250. It's just a right. 811 call before you dig. Right. Beef. Which and, and like I said, I'm not I'm not saying eight one one call before you did. It feels like we're just singling out eight one one call before you <laughs> because did. it sounds weird. <laughs> we're not saying they or beef. It's what's for dinner or whoever shouldn't be sponsors. Because again, if they want to be involved in racing, great. Like yeah, I don't have a problem with being involved right. in racing, but please just make a race title that makes sense, right? <laughs> uh, what else happened this weekend? Garth died. That's what happened this weekend. Did anything even happen in the truck race? Zane Smith was on fire after. He oh won. yeah, Zane Smith's truck caught on fire after the freaking race. That was weird. Was stupid mud flaps. What do you mean stupid mud flaps? They're cool. And when it rains yeah. in Texas all the time, then they can <laughs> deflect the rain. Uh huh. I mean, you could say the same thing about Phoenix, but it rained in Phoenix, so. Doesn't it like snow? No, it snowed in California. Mm-hmm. Which I guess isn't that not believable, but it's pretty unbelievable that it snows in LA. Can they race rain tires at Phoenix now? Yes. That's how we make the championship race more exciting. Or make it worse because no. it would just be slower no. and not really no. racing. No. It'd make it more exciting because it's Phoenix. Mm, it'd probably be about the same thing, just slower. Yeah. At least it'd look cooler. But and the and the thing is, they can only race in the rain if it's if the track's just damp. If they actually okay. if they actually lose the track, like if it's a downpour, they still can't use those tires. It's not like a road course where they can where they can race in torrential rain. They still can't do that on an oval. Should. I don't think it would work out very well. I won't be happy until I can see him racing a monsoon at Daytona. I mean, technically, they did last year, and we yeah, saw they what did that went really well. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> uh, William Byron this week. What a dude! Yes, William Byron. Um, he was yeah, he, really, really, really fast in he, the yep. Cup and Xfinity race, and didn't win either one. Yep, he did some things this weekend. Uh, he pushed the right pedal very hard, but um, did, could not push it harder than than Tyler Reddick or AJ Allmendinger. Apparently, he did have a pretty good end of the race in the Xfinity race with Allmendinger and Byron being really close to each other and kind of 
not really duking it out, but being close enough to make it interesting. And then the rest of the fields was like 12 seconds behind. It was like watching an F1 race if both Red Bull teammates were competitive. And probably would have had a similar finish with Reddick on Sunday had uh, NASCAR not decided they needed a phantom debris caution to spice things up when it didn't need spiced up. Yeah, right. Just leave it alone. That way nobody makes fun of you. And then you, you come home with a good race and then you don't have a shit show at the end. Mm-hmm. But that that's NASCAR. But that's what they think everybody wants. Actually, the storyline I thought was kind of cool this weekend was uh, qualifying for all three races. It was actually fairly interesting to care about. And I can't remember the last time qualifying has been something to care about in NASCAR. You're going to have to elaborate more on that because, to be honest, I didn't watch any qualifying session this weekend. Well, Jordan Taylor qualified fourth and being replacement for Chase Elliott, which I thought and then didn't do cool. anything in the race. He didn't do anything in the race, but he still qualified for it. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah. In the truck race, Alex Bowman popped a tire in qualifying, and they didn't let him change to a different set of tires. So Alex Bowman missed the truck race. He did not qualify for the race. Which is interesting because he probably would have been in contention for the win in that Spire truck. Yeah. Yeah. So wild but that's Maybe NASCAR they were trying to add parody to the truck race uh, truck race is all right i actually i enjoyed watching the truck race it just kind of went at the end I, well it was exciting after chastain and kyle weren't really up front although they had a pretty good battle themselves when they were up yeah. front but then once chastain fell back it was mostly Kyle, and then it became not Kyle at the end. Zane Smith, yeah. So the 38 truck has won every truck race at Coda now. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I forgot Todd Gilliland won the first one. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. There's one for your stats book. Yeah, look at Tyler pulling out the stats that I didn't even remember. I am the Mike Joy of this podcast right now. Yeah, let's not go that far. <laughs> let's not go that far. Uh, what else has happened in the racing world? IndyCar is never going to get a video game again ever because they decided to go with motorsport games after looking at NASCAR video games and said, yep, that's who we want to represent our brand. Yeah, I just... I don't understand the thought process there because it's been very clear for a while that motorsport games is just a scam. And well, their NASCAR games aren't even good. The one NASCAR game they made. What, which one was that? Ignition? Yeah. It's completely unplayable. It is absolutely unplayable. You go into turn one and you just like wreck because mm -hmm. there's no rear end of the car. (laughs) The thing is, it had a decent physics base. Like, if you could make it a full lap, it actually felt decent to drive. The problem was there's so many glitches and game-breaking in that game that it it becomes unplayable. Um, So they basically decided to completely scrap that, and they're going to, if it ever releases, they're going to build the next one off of Kartcraft instead, which is going to be interesting. But I wish IndyCar would just stick with uh, iRacing. They should have. Or 
at least gone with like iRacing and Monster Games for the console stuff, so that it was actually Honestly, a reputable do you company. Really, do you really need a console game? I mean, I don't that's know. How, that's how you get kids involved. Yeah, I just... I mean, that's how I knew the majority of the drivers growing up was from playing the NASCAR Thunder games. Yeah, that's uh, true. That's a, NASCAR that's Thunder I... games were awesome. Mm-hmm. Last but... good NASCAR game we had would have been NASCAR 06 Total Team Control. And it went off a cliff after that. <laughs> EA stopped caring after that one. Eutechnics was just eh. NASCAR Heat games from 704 were starting to get good. And then Motorsport Games came in and bought them and said... Nope, we don't care about this. Yeah, we don't actually want to make a good video game. Nope. Uh, I don't I don't get what the deal is. Like I know F1 is obviously like a way bigger global sport than NASCAR or IndyCar will ever be, but they have a really good game and they've had the same producer for like 13 years or something like that. Why is it so hard for NASCAR and IndyCar to get a video game like that. I mean, we're, they're both American racing series, and how many American entertainment studios are there? You can't find one of them that can make you a good video game? Like, really? Well, IndyCar kind of makes sense, because IndyCar does not have the reach, near the reach that NASCAR or F1 does. So I kind of get it. If NASCAR yeah. can't get a good game, then IndyCar definitely is not going to get one. But... NASCAR, yes, is a little surprising, but at the same time, the NASCAR video game sales for a long time have not been great, so I'm going to guess a lot of the big producers look at that and go, we're not going to be able to sell many of these, not realizing that the reason the sales haven't been great is because nobody's made a good game since, like, four years before EA stopped making them. Yeah. The, The scary part about it is, though, like, you don't want EA to come back as much as people keep saying, Oh, I wish EA would just come back and make these games. They'd be great. Cause they were great back in the day. They would be riddled with microtransactions yeah. and like half of the game would be behind a paywall. Well, not to say that the heat games weren't already, but they weren't though. You had to pay like 20 bucks for paint schemes. Yes, but at least it's just paint schemes. I feel like EA would lock like essential parts of the game behind paywall, or they release certain tracks as DLC that you'd have to pay for. Yeah, I guess. I wish Codemasters had enough people to just make an IndyCar game and an NASCAR game. At this point, I'm not sure I would want them to, since they're owned by EA now, and EA's kind of ruining yeah. the F1 games at this point. Because they're it's putting all like these the microtransactions F1, It's in. like the F1 life type stuff. I don't think there's anything mm-hmm. in the actual F1 games that is necessary for the game that's a microtransaction. It's just, oh no, I wanted to wear my pink fuzzy socks in the loading screen. Now I had to pay three bucks. Like, I, sure, well, if you want to wear pink fuzzy socks in the loading screen, pay three bucks. You be that sucker. So, well, okay, so here's the thing about the F1 games. And and EA owning them now. I don't believe... I haven't played a lot of the F1 games in the past couple of years since EA has been in control, but 
I don't believe they are really improving any of the actual gameplay parts of it. It's basically just the same game every year with different paint schemes and updated driver rosters. And the only thing they're really updating is the microtransaction portion of it. It's going to be the same game. It's basically going to be Madden now. It's going to yeah, be the but- F1 version of Madden. Really, though, what are you supposed to do? I I mean, racing isn't having any groundbreaking changes every year. If you have a good physics model and good graphics, why build it from the ground up every year, you know? You can add in other aspects um, that make for the longevity of playing it uh, more enjoyable. So, like, right before EA bought them, like, I think it was the year before EA bought Codemasters. That F1 game was had, like, older cars you could race with. I think there were some older tracks in there. They introduced a story mode on top of career mode. They were They were still introducing, like, new features, new gameplay modes, and things like that that, that made it a more enjoyable experience and gave you more to do so it didn't get boring as quickly. Yeah. Now, there, there's none of that because EA doesn't care about any of that. The only things they're adding are the the, the pink fuzzy socks type things um, because that's what's going to make them money because people are going to be dumb and pay microtransactions for that stuff. <laughs> they don't right. care about same time, improving the gameplay experience. At the same time, you got to remember like all the licensing and crap because it took a lot for Codemasters to get the classic cars in there. It's a official F1 video game, and they want it to be that season. And it took them forever to be able to get classic cars and classic tracks in it. And they did it like 2013 a little bit, and then had to get away from it again. And it's just, which is why I like people like iRacing, because it's not tied to any specific series. As long as they can get the car scan and the track scan, you can race whatever car on whatever track because it's not licensed by that league. And I don't know. I need to get into it, into iRacing, but I don't have a PC that could even comprehend it right now. So, but no, I I, I liked iRacing a lot. I hate the IndyCar cut their ties with iRacing the way they did. I think that was a big mistake. I think you could develop your own video game and keep your iRacing base because think about how much support IndyCar gets from iRacing just in general. Like There's the iRacing Indy 500. Like, IndyCar drivers get on iRacing and play with casual fans. Why would you try to destroy that? Mm-hmm. The, okay, so we've gotten this far into the video game talk, and I don't think we ever told why we even got on this, but the IndyCar and the NASCAR games that were supposed to come out in 2023 from Motorsport Games have been delayed to 2024 and to be honest i don't even think they'll come out in 2024 i think the indycar one is almost delayed indefinitely at this point well the nascar game definitely is because it was this was originally supposed to be nascar 22 yeah and they've now pushed it back for a second year yeah and i think the company they had like a i don't know conference call about money stuff i'm not an accountant so i don't really know what happened but i do believe they said they're like six million dollars in debt or something oh that's not new they've been hemorrhaging money since day one that doesn't surprise me i mean you can't put a big 
studio like that together and never put out a good product and expect to make money off of it. They have created one game since they came into existence, and that's NASCAR 21 Ignition. The Which only other games awful. they yeah, the only other games they have put out are NASCAR Heat Ports on Switch. NASCAR Heat Ultimate Edition and NASCAR Rivals, which are both just NASCAR Heat 5 with updated paint schemes and rosters. That's that's the only yeah. things they have put out since coming into existence. I don't understand why either series picked motorsport games to begin with. I, I mean, well, I'll, you, you I'll can't you look exactly at the products why. that they've had and think that it's going to be a good idea, you know? I'll tell you exactly why. Because neither one of these series care about what the video game product is, or even if it comes out. They signed an exclusivity contract with Motorsport Games, so they are the only ones that can produce video games. So as long as they get their paycheck every year for those exclusivity rights, they don't care what happens. They don't care if it's actually released. They don't care if it's actually good. As long as they're getting their money from it, that's all they care about. Which is pathetic, because... NASCAR and IndyCar are both series that I love and want to see them succeed on a worldwide level, and you can't. I mean, you can't expect people in Europe to wake up at 2 a.m. and watch your races and then not have a way for them to interact with the sport outside mm -hmm. of that. Like, F1, I mean, I play the F1 games. I don't want to watch the race at, I don't know, 11 at night. All the time, but that's early can, for an F1 race, right? But I can <laughs> watch the race recorded later and then go play the video game for a little bit. And as long as the physics model is decent and the graphics are good, which Codemasters did a really good job of, mm -hmm. then I'm happy. But as far as NASCAR and IndyCar, I think the most playable thing for console is Forza, which I mean, at this point, yeah, Forza's graphics are awesome, but. I guess the physics are okay, but the AI suck, and there's not a whole lot of online, really, to speak of. I don't know. It, it's just disappointing. I don't know why we can't have an F1-style video game for NASCAR and IndyCar, but it is what it is at this point. I am not holding my breath for either one. I think the last good IndyCar video game was like 2006 or something. Maybe earlier yeah, I think you're. That. I think you're right. I think it was 2005. I still yeah, have it for the original Xbox. Which since then we've had the 360, the One, and the One S, and we're about to have another console, I think, which is pathetic. You can have four different consoles and not have a single video game to speak of in that time. Yeah. No, it's 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 been pretty pathetic the state of uh, NASCAR and IndyCar video games for a while. But when I think like other than just the Indy 500, IndyCar as a whole, has not been promoted very well since Penske took over. I know mm -hmm. Penske loves the series, loves the Indy 500, but he spent so much time focusing on just the 500 that the rest of the series doesn't exist. And I think we're going back into the time period of IndyCar where normal people don't even know that IndyCar does other races other than the Indy 500, which is sad because it's the most competitive racing series in the world, I think. And it's probably the most fun to watch on a consistent basis, but you only have one race anybody cares about. Okay, case in point for that. Um, so someone that, that we work with, you're going to know who I'm talking about uh, when I get a little further into this, um, was sitting in the office with me yesterday watching the race, and 
he starts asking me, he's like, so are any of the, like the big names still in NASCAR? And I'm like, well, who do you consider big names? And he goes, well, Unser, Earnhardt, Petty. And I'm like, well, first off, Unser was not NASCAR. That was IndyCar. <laughs> yeah. So, and I mean, that's, that's kind of the point is nobody even realizes IndyCar is something different. Yeah. They all just assume, well, Indy 500's NASCAR because NASCAR is American racing. Yeah. That's what just the sad. general public sees, yeah. I don't know. I I've never had more fun at any other race than IndyCar races. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't even know how to fix it because IndyCar is just so volatile to any sort of promotion. And then you go off and kill the iRacing base. And I don't I thought iRacing was fun and crap. Because you mm-hmm. get people like Connor Daly and, I don't know, Callum Eilat, a whole bunch of other guys that, like, iRacing is basically just a sim at this point. If they don't have time to go into the sim at work, they can just hop on iRacing and it's sort of similar. And you can play with actual drivers. I mean, you're never going to go into an online F1 lobby and see, oh, there's Max Verstappen. I'm racing against Verstappen at Bahrain. I mean, but you, you can, okay. Like, I I see your point, but I have seen instances of Max Verstappen actually being on iRacing. I've seen that, instances yeah, of that is Max I've Verstappen, seen instances though. of him racing NASCAR on iRacing. That's just kind of Max Verstappen, though. Like the <laughs> yeah. other 19 drivers on the grid, you're probably not going to get that from. But IndyCar, like you had that on a consistent basis. I don't yeah. know. During when COVID happened and they had like the the online twenty four hours Le Mans and they had like, I don't know, Fernando Alonso and a whole bunch of other random, like mm-hmm. big name drivers. And then, you know, Jimmy Broadbent. I love Jimmy Broadbent. But then he's just like a bunch of random people just in the lobby too. I don't know. I think it's an awesome community just place to have fun. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't understand why it, iRacing gets so much hate, even though I can't play it yet. But, you know. The thing with iRacing is it's fun, but I don't think it's as much of a sim as it gets touted to be. It, I've heard from a lot of drivers, and this is probably both car and track dependent, depending on what car you're in and what track you're at, but um, it's not as much of a sim as it gets credit for. Like, it's not as realistic as they want you to believe. Like yeah, but some of that has to be a budget factor. Not everybody can go buy a 3D like I don't know giant simulator. It's got to be a game to some level. I mean, we're talking about people that like have played it in actual like motion rigs and like a- as realistic as you can make it, and they're right. still saying it's it's not got a it's not got the feel of the real race car as much as you would think it would. As much as like the actual simulators, like the Chevy Sim, the Ford Sim, though the the Sims that the manufacturers put together are more realistic. Um, well, I would hope so. It, it's got to yeah. be a completely different level, in my opinion. You got to have the people that just I don't know stick a steering wheel and pedals to their computer desk, but also have people that want to have Sim setups, and you, you have to have it all compatible together. I don't think you can ever have like legitimate sim level of play in it. I mean it it's a game. Mm-hmm. It it's a simulation style game. It's not a it's not a simulation. 
Oh, don't you say know? it. Don't say it's a game. They'll get the pitchforks out. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> but no, racing in general right. is a game to begin with. So. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, but no, you're right. Um, I think the biggest thing for the actual drivers on iRacing, the biggest thing that you can get from it is just like learning your marks, like learning where you need to break going into corners, learning where you need to get back on yeah. the gas, that kind of thing. But it's never going to fully simulate like what the car is going to do in certain situations, when it's going to get loose, how the tires fall off, that kind of thing. It can get close, but it's never going to get exactly right. Yeah, but I think for people like you and me, which is who it's designed for, like it's the closest we're ever going to get to be able to drive the actual car. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're never going to see me hopping in the Chevy simulator to go drive Indianapolis road course. I mean... I might be able to play iRacing, but I'm not going to hop in the simulator, get a car on a track. So I think that's more what it's geared towards. But I need to start. I need to get the iRacing streams started back up because I think the last one I did was probably a year ago at this point. But like I had actual streams. We called them iRacing Tuesdays. And most <laughs> of the time I would actually get like an actual driver on as a guest and, and we would race against them. Well, I went to try to book something at k1 speed and fishers the other day and i was just like glancing at their fastest laps of whatever like callum i put in a lap like last week there it was like the record lap for the week or something nice it's just that's what my one of my favorite things about the indycar community i know other sports do it as well but indycar is by far the most fan friendly i think I think it's because a lot of them don't have like the star power that NASCAR drivers do or F1 drivers. So like most yeah. of most of the IndyCar drivers, even like the bigger names can walk down the street and most people won't recognize them. Yeah, I see your point. Um, but at the same time, it, it it's really cool to be a hardcore fan and be walking around Indianapolis in the month of May and be like, oh, there's Scott Dixon and Tony Kanaan eating breakfast at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. But I don't know. It's my favorite series in the world, and we're never going to get a good video game because they hate iRacing now. So I think we will eventually. It's not going to happen anytime soon, and I don't think it's going to happen under motorsport games, or if it does, it's not going to be good. Yeah. But... um. I think there will be an IndyCar game eventually. I think hopefully IndyCar's eyes have been open to the need for a video game. So whenever motorsport games inevitably goes under, they give the license to someone else that actually can put together a game. Or don't have exclusivity licenses because Mm -hmm. those suck. They do. They don't benefit anyone except for the series because they're getting paid for it regardless of what the product is, if there's even a product. Well, if you think about like the idea of it in the first place, I mean, obviously nobody else can sell your crap. No, nobody else can have your branding on it, which gives you a very narrow window to promote it. And then you get like motorsport games in there and they suck. And then you have this really crappy company trying to promote your series. And that's the only people that can promote it. So that's the only content anybody's ever going to see about it. And they just assume your series sucks because the game mm-hmm. sucks. Well, and it's not even just with video games. They've got exclusivity with practically everything now. I mean, Lionel's the only one that can make NASCAR diecast, which is a whole nother problem in itself. Greenlight's we were- the only people that can produce IndyCar. Yep. So exclusivity is just a problem across the board because 
in Lionel's case, it's made the diecast much, much worse over the years because when you have no competition, yeah, you can do exactly what they've done. They can raise prices, lower quality, and nobody can do anything about it because they're the only ones you can buy diecast from. If you want NASCAR diecast, you've got to buy the crap that Lionel puts out. We better chill out before we start sounding like economics majors. <laughs> 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 gonna go into why like the big rant about this is why capitalism's better kind of <laughs> oh that's a different podcast yeah <laughs> we'll we'll start an economics advice podcast later. yeah right well do we really have anything else to add about the races this weekend i think that's about it i don't know that we really even talked about the xfinity race but there wasn't much to talk about with no, it. other than aj and byron being really good and and I don't know, just a we bunch of random mechanical failures. But hope y'all have a good weekend. Enjoy the races from uh, where all are we at? Oh wait, we have to make predictions too. Don't yeah, we? We, we do. can't wrap up yet. We still need to do predictions. Uh, we're at Richmond for Cup race or Cup season. Cup start, here. We'll, cup we'll series. Start, start with uh, trucks. Trucks are at Texas this weekend. Yay! Uh, with so IndyCar. is IndyCar. Yay! Yeah. Um. So we'll start with trucks. Trucks are at 4.30 on Saturday from Texas. Who you got for the truck race, Tyler? I'm going to pick Zane Smith. I think he's going to build off of his momentum from this past weekend. I know I say that every freaking time, mm -hmm. but I do think he actually has a fairly good chance of winning this race this weekend. You seem to have a habit of just picking whoever won the last race. Well, when you haven't watched the truck series or the Xfinity series at all for like the past 20 years, then yeah tends to be that way <laughs> fair enough um i'm gonna go with ty majeski he's been really good on mile and a half recently um and i just got a good feeling about him this weekend i think he picks up his first win of the season so he did pretty well at coda too yes he did um and was on a very interesting pit strategy too so it was interesting that he was able to uh make that work but Yes, Zane Smith, Ty Majeski for Texas. Then we'll stick with Texas and go with IndyCar. Tyler, when is that race at Texas? Boy, I believe you're the IndyCar a, expert I here. I believe that's a noon race because that sounds like an IndyCar thing to do. I know it's not a night race. I think it's noon on Sunday, and then the trucks are after. But I could very easily be wrong. The trucks are Saturday afternoon. Oh, Saturday? Uh, I believe it's noon. I literally Sunday. just said that. <laughs> I believe IndyCar's noon on Sunday. Well, here, I'll look it up since Mr. IndyCar expert doesn't want to. Well, it Texas is noon sucks. On, noon on Sunday. Texas sucks, so I don't have a reason to care. Okay, fair enough. But you are correct. It is noon on Sunday. Who you got for it? Oh, shoot. We're going to go Pato Award again. I know he won last year, but he's really fast on the Opals right now, especially the big Opals, Texas and Indy, so... Gonna go Pato Award. You stole my pick. Oops. Um, I'm gonna go then with uh, Scott Dixon uh, because I feel like he just—he's always uh, good at Texas. Yep, always good at Texas, and he's just the goat. So uh, Scott Dixon wins at Texas. All right, Xfinity is also on Saturday, but it is from Richmond at 1 p.m. Tyler, who you got for Xfinity? I'm going to go Sam Mayer. I think he'll finally break through for JRM this year, and they maybe won't take each other out this weekend. But he's been showing a lot of speed this year and just hasn't had the results to show for it. So Sam Mayer is my pick. I've heard he could possibly be on the hot seat after this year. So yeah. probably why he's shown a lot of speed, um, trying to 
um, either keep his ride or impress for another one. But uh, yeah, he's had a lot of speed this year, and I agree he probably will be a good pick. I'm going to go with his teammate, though, uh, Josh Berry. Uh, Josh Berry has quite the short track background, and I think he picks up uh, win number one in Xfinity this year. There you go. On to the cup race, which will be Sunday from Richmond at 3.30 p.m., because why wouldn't it be 3.30 p.m.? <laughs> um, Tyler, who you got? Yeah, Kevin Harvick this weekend. Uh, he showed a lot of speed in both Richmond races last year with this car, and I think just in general he's been fairly good at Richmond throughout his career. I think this will be the first win of his final ride this year. Solid choice. I, you know. I, I think that's a good choice, I think. Uh, but I am going to go in a different direction, and I specifically did not write this down on our list of picks on the Talking Points page because I wanted to surprise Tyler with this one. I am going with Martin Truex Jr., who... That was going to be my second choice, actually. Was it? <laughs> yeah. It was a toss-up between Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamm, and Martin Truex Jr., Truex has been very good at Richmond in recent years, winning multiple races at Richmond. And I think he picks up his first uh, win in since 2021. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think Truex finally picks up the dub at one of his best tracks as Doc tries to stick his tail in my mouth. <laughs> That's what Doc thinks about Truex Jr. this weekend. Apparently. But... <laughs> I think that's going to do it for us now, um, now that we got through predictions. So uh, we'll get off here so Tyler can take his phone call for work and I can head toward work as well. Um, so as usual, should be 6 p.m. for a premiere for next week as usual. And then uh, Monday to Tuesday for the audio version to come out whenever I can get it, get it edited. So that's going to about do it. So with that, I'm Garth. That's Tyler. And this is the Rookie Stripes podcast on Racing News Now. And Doc. I forgot about Doc. Doc is an <laughs> integral part of the podcast. Yeah, he is. <laughs>